I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 26, if you'd like to follow along. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Thanks, Amy. The word of the Lord. So many times we read scripture and don't realize. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for how you have persevered your word that you spoke to men thousands and thousands of years ago to speak into our hearts and into our lives and into our situations, Father. You have entered into our predicament so many times and at our fingertips is your very word spoken to us. God, guide us now as we study, as we think, as we see your grace on display in the life of a man you've called to pastor us. Thank you for Christ in his name. Amen. So Amy read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26 and going through 2.5. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. Um, we'll be kind of hitting on a few of those things that are there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I was this past week at uh, a place called Super Summer, which is a camp for 7th through 12th graders. And I was in particular leading a group of kids who had just finished their junior year, so they're about to be seniors, 17-year-olds. Um, they're separated by grade and age level, so my, my role, my task was to, to lead those students. And it kind of, kind of fringes over, and sometimes I'm, I get a chance to talk to the younger, sometimes I get a chance to talk to the older kids, and whatever. Most of the time I'm with, with 17-year-olds. So that just, I'm going to tell a couple of stories, but I wanted to give you some context of when I say super summer, that's what I mean. It's just a week-long camp where God really... Uh, this week really, really, really showed up. Uh, 17 kids gave their life to Christ. Um, and check this, one youth pastor gave their life to Christ. For real. They, kid, guy had like Rebecca Klein's story. It was like, grew up in church. I was a perfect church little boy and things were great and wonderful, but I never surrendered to Christ. Um, humbly, he stood on the stage in front of 525 people and said that. Uh, the power of God was real. So uh, back to where, where we're going today, where we're going this morning. Uh, preaching, leadership, teaching, discipling, be a husband 
and Father. All of these things are on display in the life of Dave Kuntz. All of those things are on display in the life of Dave Kuntz to put the grace of God on display. Because there is nothing in me, nothing in Dave, nothing in any one of us that's worthy of emulation that has not been put there by the grace gift of God. I want to say that from the beginning. And also from the beginning, I want to say this. When, when we see Dave's video, it's going to talk a lot about ministry and him kind of wrestling with God's direction and path and goals in his life and, and where he was going, what he was equipped to do, and, and feeling inadequate and all those things. It's going to be a tendency for every one of this room that's not a pastor, which basically is me and Dave, to kind of maybe click off or not relate to that because you don't pastor a church. Um, but I, I want to say this, is the real message is not feeling inadequate to be a pastor. The real message is feeling inadequate to do the work of God and knowing our, the depths of our hearts and the depths of our depravity. And here's the point. Every one of us has depravity in us. Every one of us has sin in us. Every one of us is well-connected with who we are. And every one of us has been given a task to do or a series of tasks to do by God. All right? And the message you're going to hear is this. God comes to Dave and tells him to do something. Dave says, I can't. God says, I know, but I'll do it. And that's the, the thing that's happening in all of our lives all the time. God is coming to us and saying, here's something I want you to do. But you know yourself, and you say, I can't. And God very gently says, I know. It's all right. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. So let's not get confused in the midst of, of all of this stuff and in, in the midst of, of maybe a, a big thing that God is calling you to do or whatever. Be very clear that it's a very simple father on a very simple Father's Day saying to you, I know. It's all right. I got it. We were joking before the, the services, like we check in my mic levels and whatever, and Travis said to me, is that as loud as you're going to be? And I said, I think it is today because it's just a gentle message today. <laughs> somebody just said liar. I don't know. Somebody, oh, it was Dave. <laughs> my intention is not to yell. My intention is to bring the voice of God into our lives when he tells us to do something. And our message is, I can't. And he says, I know. My favorite phrase in the verses that Amy just read are, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And uh, Dave and I talked a few times this week because I was at Super Summer and trying to prepare for the message and I didn't get a chance to see the video and we're just kind of talking about what the video was going to be like and some of the things that he said and, and he just kind of hammered on this. And so I, I didn't have all of my tools to do word studies with this week at Super Summer and so... Uh, I, I was just mesmerized and thinking about what this word boast means. And so I'm just kind of pondering it and, and wrestling with it. And finally I got to a tool where I could examine and study this Greek word boast. And what does it mean? And really it just means to glory on account of something. In other words, say, hey, this is worth paying attention to. Okay? So a boast is like... 
I'm going to be really conflicted tonight. Here's, here's a little illustration. I'm going to be really conflicted tonight because there's an NBA Finals game on tonight, and the U.S. Open is going to be ending right about the same time. And so what do I do? And I won't be at home either, so I won't, like, DVR won't be able to, to help me. Uh, so I won't know what to do. But here's what's going to happen. Somebody is going to be really proud of themselves at the end of the U.S. Open, and somebody's going to be really proud of themselves in the middle of the, of the NBA Finals. And, and I guarantee you this, is some, this will happen at, in the NBA Finals. Somebody's going to have this massive dunk and almost tear the rim down, and they're going to beat their chest and, like, boast. Boasting in my athletic ability. Hey, pay attention to my athletic ability. And that's this word, boast. Pay attention to my athletic ability. You guys, you guys have seen it before. Somebody rips down a dunk and says, hey, yeah, look at me. But you know what? Like, that guy that dunked is probably 6'9". You know what they did to get to be 6'9"? Nothing. If I was 6'9", I could dunk. If I was 6'9", I could dunk. And it would be nothing. And I'm, I'm, I'm 5'10", and... 41, and I've got about a three-inch vertical at this point. So it would be like me jumping and touching the net, and like, it's ridiculous. And it's kind of silly, whatever, chuckling. But the point of the matter is, if there's anything that's in us that's worthy of emulation, that's worthy of attention, it was placed there by grace gift of God. And I want you guys to see that. And I want you guys to know this. There are things inside of you that are worthy of attention and worthy of emulation that are placed there as grace gifts of God. Even if it appears to the world to be an inherent talent inside of you, it was placed there as a grace gift of God. Let the one who boasts, let the one who says, hey, pay attention to this, Say, hey, pay attention to the Lord. That's what this verse is telling you. I want to tell you two stories that happened at Super Summer this week, and then we'll get into Dave's deal, his video. You all heard Jen's story last week. Some of you guys heard Jen's story last week that were here. And it's filled with abuse and pain and just dark, dark things, right? Um... I mean, it was, it was really hard. And all last week, actually all leading up to, the, to last week, and then this last week at Super Summer, Jen was there and the kids were there with me. The, the thing coming out of, her, out of Jen's mouth was, I, I, don't, I can't fathom why or how God would use this story. I can't, the only thing that I can see that it's done is bring up bad memories for me. I can't understand how God is going to use this. Over, she said that to me maybe 10, 10 or 12 times, leading up to her story and then in the week following, more, more so in the week following. Can't understand how God is going to use this story. It just doesn't make any sense. All that it's done is bring up bad memories for me. So you have that piece. Leave that there, and, and now here's the story. It's super summer. Um, Jen and I had gotten into a little fight. I had done something stupid. Well, I said little fight. She might use a different adjective about the fight. Um, and she's in our apartment, and they kind of put us up in an apartment for a week, and I'm, like, outside of, of the main auditorium with, with the kids, and, like, the worship has just kind of begun. 
and then uh, the kids go up to the apartment, and so now I'm, I'm walking into the auditorium, and the auditorium kind of is shaped like this. There's like an exterior door and then a breezeway, and then the doors into the actual auditorium. You, you picture that? And I walk in there, and I see this girl in the corner of the breezeway, and she's crying. And I notice that, like, she's almost six, she's probably a six feet tall, and she's got, like, dyed red hair, okay? Like, doesn't appear in nature red hair, right? And she's trying to connect you guys. You guys are laughing. And I had seen her earlier, like, the worship time, everybody's gathered out in the, like the foyer, about to walk in, and they're, they're waiting. Then the doors finally open, all the kids rush into the auditorium. I'd seen this girl kind of walk around, and she was in a dress, and she's six feet tall. And a dress on a girl six feet tall can look a little bit risque, you know, because if, if she were five, four, she wouldn't be showing nearly, nearly much leg, and she's seen this, like this bright red hair. And so I see her in this dress, and I'm like, man, somebody's probably going to yell at her for wearing that dress. So then... 30 minutes later, I'm walking into the auditorium, and here's this girl with this bright red hair, and she's in sweatpants now. And my mind is, somebody has, like, jumped this girl and said, yeah, you need to go change your clothes. Um, and that's what happened. So I walk out and find a, a girl that's there, and I'm like, Kelly, would you go and, and talk to this girl? She's really having a, a really difficult time. Um, she says, yeah, I know. Um, and then she kind of explains this girl's story. She's currently in foster care. She's never really had any exposure to Christ at all. This was the fourth time that day she'd been told to change her clothes. And she'd had some really, really difficult abuse in her life. And she's 15. I know why God had Jen tell her story. I run up to Jen, and she's ticked at me at this point. And her and Rebecca are up there. And I said, I'll stay with the kids. You guys go down and talk to this girl. She's right inside the, the first stores to the, to, the, to the auditorium. You need to go talk to her. Hurry, because I don't want her to, to leave. And she's like, I'm not going. And then something clicked inside of her that God is calling me to do this. And so she, she went down there and talked to this girl. So it turns out this girl has... She's 15. When she was in the womb... Her young mother was diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor said, abort this baby so that we can do chemo. Her mom said no. Her mom died of cancer. She's carrying around, I killed my mom. Dad takes off when mom dies. She goes to live with grandma. Grandma has a live-in boyfriend. <clears throat> who from her 9 years old to 12 years old is sexually abusing this girl. Um, she says to Grandma, please make him stop, make him go away. She says, I can't because he's paying the bills. 9 years old to 12 years old, and this girl's 15, so this is fresh. This is three years ago for this little girl. Uh, finally, Grandma kicks the guy out, brings her son in. Her son is a drug dealer. So now, from 12 to 15, this girl is getting high with grandma and uncle. So she shows up to camp and everybody to her is saying, go change your clothes. Then God brings Jen Maxidon into her life 
says, I know, I'm sorry. Grace. This girl's like, I've asked the same question of everybody this week because I want to know who God is and I feel like he's here and and I want to know who he is and I want to know why this pain. I want to know what happens to the people in Africa who never hear the name of Jesus and I have all these questions about Jesus. I can't, will you please answer them? And, and at that point, I was brought into the conversation trying to help answer that question. I said, I, I don't know that I can answer that question for you. I can give you an answer, but it's not going to satisfy you. God's going to have to show up, and I want you to go to sleep tonight. I want you to ask God to show up and prove himself to you. So we walk, Jen and I walk her back to the dorm, and she said, God is proving himself to me right now. I feel like God is real. I feel like Jesus is real. All this is real. Fast forward to the next night. This was Tuesday. Fast forward to Wednesday night. Worship time. This girl's in there. End of the service, the, the, the pastor, the camp pastor says this. I want all the house lights to turn up. I want no music playing. I want everybody to look forward. A lot of times people want you to do this in secret. I want you to do this in real. If you want to surrender your life to Christ, I want you to stand up right now and walk up here. And before he was finished with that, this red-headed girl, six feet tall, is walking towards the stage. First, doesn't even, not even a thought. She walks up there, gives her life to Christ. <clears throat> Fast forward to the next night. Same deal. He gives the same invitation. Some people respond. He gives another invitation. Is anyone here feeling called to ministry? This girl stands up and walks up there. And I said, I was really skeptical of that. Okay, she's been a Christian for 24 hours. <laughs> and I said, what did God say to you? How do you, how do you know ministry? And she said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know even what that means. <laughs> but I know this. I want to tell people what Jesus did to me. And the beautiful part about that is I've heard from, from Jen and Dave specifically that I'm really scared about telling my story. I don't know how to tell my story. They sat back there two weeks ago saying, okay, the, the story series is over now. We're not going to do mine. We're not going to do yours. We're, we're done. We should have been done at 13 two weeks ago. But the beautiful part about this girl's name is Victoria. The beautiful part about Victoria's story is she'd been a Christian for 24 hours, and all she could think about was putting the grace of God on display in her life. She didn't have 20 years of, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Oh my goodness. There's, there's no doubt in her. There's no God calling you to do something, you saying I can't, God saying I know. She knew that full well because yesterday she was, you know, lived in a drug-addicted house and had been raped for three years. And God had saved her from that. But we don't have the benefit of the freshness of salvation. She did. But the point is, the point of the grace of God on display that you'll see in Dave Koontz's life is that cycle. I can't. God says I know. I will. And that is the beauty. I want to tell one more, one more quick story. Um, Kara Grace is another. She's a, a small group leader at Super Summer. She's like 22 years old college student, perfect life, parents love her, sister loves her, God everywhere. She is Dave Koontz. And a girl similar to Victoria is in her small group, and she's like puking out 
abuse stories to her. And Kara Grace is like, I don't, I'm fully inadequate. Just crying her eyes out every night. Because I, why, why God did you choose me who has lived this perfect life to get the, to pour your grace into the story of this, this girl who's got this awful abuse story. Who is today back in the home where her mom is abusive. It's not like she's completely free from the physical pain of the abuse. It's, she's going right back. So Kara Grace is just ripped up. God, I am not adequate for this. And what God said to Kara Grace in the midst of that is, I know. It's cool, I got it. And God entered into the predicament of this little girl and entered into the predicament of Victoria and entered into the predicament of Kara Grace and of Jen Maxidon and of Dave Koontz and of Kyle Walton and, and of Ben Hammond and, and all of He entered into our predicament and says, I got this. The grace of God on display. Let your boast be in the Lord. Hit that video. story, if I'm honest, it's, it's not a story that I like. Um, honestly, I, I wish my story was different. Um, it's really marked by, by one thing, and weakness and insecurity. Um, there's a verse in, in the scriptures that, that talks about how God chose the foolish things in the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things in the world to shame the strong. And, and the reason he does that is so that there's no room that man might boast in himself, that the only boast would be in the Lord. And that's really marked my journey on many levels. Um, you know, growing up, uh, God lavishes grace on me with an incredible family, he lavishes grace on me, coming to Christ very early, Christian parents, Christian siblings, um, Christian schooling all of my life um, very early on even friends and mentors um, people that poured the gospel into me daily um, from high school he called me into ministry um, in 2000 when I was a senior he gave me a platform to do that as a senior at, at a Christian school um, and also gave me the girl that would would journey with me through this this story that he's he's writing. My high school sweetheart, Danielle. There's been no greater encourager or supporter of of God's call on my life. Going to Bible College in Hannibal, um, the Lord gave me the opportunity to to lead a ministry on campus, and it was very successful and very thriving, and um, and uh, and I loved it. It was an opportunity to uh, preach on a regular basis, something that I loved doing, something I began doing in in high school, and I've been doing um, ever since. Um, 
and and yet numerous times throughout that journey um, there were challenges and hardships and things that forced me to rely upon the Lord reminded me that I wasn't adequate to do what God um, had, had called me to do I began to be very comfortable in my ministry uh, my campus ministry called Truth and God brought along some guy named Dave Becker um, who in 2003 asked me to help lead a team to India uh, he came to me and said Let's, what if we took a handful of students from Southwest Baptist University and a handful of students from Hannibal Grange and we invested in them and discipled them for a semester and then the next semester took them overseas to do ministry in India and uh, I'm like oh that's great um, let me know how it goes um, I thought there's no way that's not that's not what the Lord has for me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not really uh, cut out for that. But yet through much prayer, the Lord said, uh, yeah, this is what I have for you. Um, a new challenge, a new opportunity um, for you to, to trust me and rely upon me. And... Uh, and so I remember very specifically one weekend where Dave was bringing uh, a team, the team from Southwest Baptist University to Hannibal, uh, to prepare us um, for us to begin meeting and, and preparing for um, India. And uh, that Friday night, um, we met and began talking and planning for ministry, and very quickly I was very intimidated. Um, I was very intimidated by those that, that were a part of the team. Um, so much smarter than me, um, so much more competent than me, I felt. But yeah, God had put me uh, up as one of their leaders. Um, and uh, I went to bed that night with uh, just a lot of um, fear and uh, discouragement because I was just like, God, what have, you, what have you called me to? This is way bigger than me. And the next morning, uh, we were supposed to continue meeting. Um, and I was pretty excited because I was going to have to miss uh, as a as a baseball player. Um, we had a doubleheader, and um, turns out it rained. Um, and that morning we found out that the games were were canceled. And I remember sitting in my car in the parking lot on the campus of HLG. It's pouring down rain, and I'm sitting there with Danielle. And I'm just weeping. Um, because the last thing I wanted to do was go sit in these team meetings with um, with Dave and the SBU folks and even the HLG folks um, and uh, and prepare for India because I was like I'm not I'm not cut out for this this is way bigger than I am and and Danielle just very lovingly and graciously began unpacking the story of Gideon from Judges um, six and seven um, the story of uh, of a man who had much fear in his life um, and felt very inadequate, but yet God called him a, a mighty warrior and um, was was his strength. And um, in fact, so much so that it says that the Spirit of the Lord God clothed him um, and he went out and, and, and did what God called him to do. Um, and 
And so God used that story and continues to use that story in my life. Towards the end of my college career, Bible college, I was approached by the church that I grew up in. I was in this church for 25 years, and, and they said, um, we want you to uh, come on as a, a summer staff and we want to hire you on, and uh, that was a little overwhelming. It was exciting, but it was overwhelming. Um, it was like, um, you know, I didn't, didn't know if, if I had what it took uh, once again, and uh, in fact, I, I did that for four years um, and became very good at it, very comfortable at it. I loved it. I had two amazing pastors that were investing in my life. Uh, I was on a, a short list to be hired on as full-time staff, um, and uh, that was part of the conversation um, quite often. After I graduated from, from college, uh, I was called by North County Christian School to come and teach Bible. And uh, you can probably guess that was uh, not something I wanted to do. Um, I was uh, I was in over my head. I, my response to to the principal was, man, I, I just don't know if that's me. I don't know if I'm cut out for that. Um, and I remember my first year, uh, 2005, um, teaching at North County, um, and uh, it was hard. Um, they say, you know, most teachers quit after their first year, and I, I understand why. It was really hard um, learning how to teach how to manage a classroom. Um, it was the Lord once again stretching me, reminding me um, that He's enough, that He's competent um, enough um, for my incompetence. And so for five years, I taught that school and uh, it became just an absolute treasure and love in my life, um, investing in those students and I became incredibly comfortable um, at what I was doing um, and then once again the Lord uh, came along and was like you're, you're too comfortable we, we need to we need to make a change about 2007 Rick uh, Rick approached me and was like hey we're we're going to be planting a church and I want you to be a part of it and Initially, I was resistant. I didn't think it was what the Lord had, and and yet it was. We came to North Church, and um, initially it was really exciting. Uh, a new church, um, a new church that did church different than what I'd known for 25 years, and and that was uh, that was exciting for us. Um, and we were excited that some of our friends were there. We were excited about new people. Um, but, but as an introvert, newness, new relationships was always really hard for me. Um, and so uh, early on at North Church, the, the excitement after the, the early excitement um, kind of went away. Um, the reality of a new place and new ministry and new people was, um, was challenging for me. As difficult as it was, um, I was excited that Danielle was, was very comfortable and loved the relationships that she had at North Church, and, um, but yet my own struggle 
um, with this new place, with this new way to do ministry. Um, and I felt like I was compromising. Um, I was growing up, I was a good boy. I did what I was supposed to. Um, and, and so I placed a ton of stock in my morality, coming to a place where the emphasis was on the work of Christ, um, not on human effort. Um, it really challenged me. It really challenged my faith. It really challenged my view of the Lord. Early on, I remember just dreading Sundays. Um, and in the midst of dreading those Sundays, um, Danielle just told me, we need to pray. Every Sunday we drive to church, we need to beg the Lord. We need to pray against the attacks of the enemy. We need to beg the Lord um, to, um, to, to protect us, to, to be with us. And really it was God, God shaping and changing my heart. Um, there's been no greater tool in my life in drawing me to Christ and His work on the cross and exposing me to the truth of the gospel, the North Church. Um, and, and so uh, that journey, while it, it bringing us to North Church was marked by a lot of difficulty, um, it's one of the best things that's ever happened to us. So as my time at North Church continued, as my conversations with Rick continued, I began to rise up as, as a leader, uh, as an elder, and uh, we were making plans for me to call on staff at North Church, and it's about the time that I put in my resignation at North County Christian School, um, stopped teaching a job that um, I absolutely loved, but knew that the Lord was, was calling me away from it. And so, came on uh, to, to pastor alongside Rick, and there was a lot of excitement. I was really um, amped about um, preaching on a regular basis, about building out the ministry of North Church, about helping North Church have a specific emphasis in reaching the community uh, of North County. And, um, and just loved it. Loved a lot of what I was able to do, what I was able to be a part of. After a while, though, it, it got tough. Um, the things that were initially fun and exciting um, began to be hard, challenging. Um, as as a, a teacher of God's Word, um, study and prep is always something that's come hard for me. Um, I'm, I'm a slow processor, a slow learner, and so um, the thing that I love the most in, in preaching um, began to be really grueling and difficult um, because I dreaded the prep, I dreaded the study. And alongside of those, uh, the challenges of, of casting vision, being a leader, um, that really my idol, my desire is to sit under somebody who basically would say, here's what you should do, um, and then I walk it out. Um, versus God putting me in that place where I'm the lead guy alongside another guy and uh, having to cast that vision and, um, and really trust the Lord's direction in my life.
as I continue this journey of um, being the pastor, being the leader that God's called me to be to this amazing place called North Church, um, I find myself over and over again humbled by God's grace uh, to sustain me in the midst of some dark, difficult times, um, and God's power to um, continually remind me that He calls me His, and in the midst of this journey of being a pastor, it's, it's so much less about being a pastor and so much more about running to my Savior. In all reality, I, I don't know that I really ever want to get to the place where I feel like I can do it. Um, and it would lead me to um, ignoring the Lord and ceasing to run from Him uh, to do things on my own because He's everything to me. And uh, I'll never be the pastor God's called me to be, the husband that God's called me to be. Uh, I'll never be the man that God's called me to be um, apart from the God um, who's call me and who's the pursuer of me um, and so I'm, I'm thankful as hard as it's been I'm thankful for this journey thankful for this story um, because it makes much of him and uh, and that's what it's all about You guys see the beautiful poetic cinematography there? Dave getting up and going? Yeah? <laughs> uh, so I was at Super Summer this week with Dave Becker, who Dave mentions in there, and I told them that we were going to be doing the story on Kuntz and, and kind of the, the idea and stuff that you just saw and the inadequacy that they felt. And uh, Dave Becker said to me, um, I'll never have the privilege of serving next to a guy who is more stout and firm in his faiths, faith than Dave Kuntz. Something that Dave Becker saw in Dave Kuntz that Dave Kuntz didn't see in Dave Kuntz. Pay attention when people are around you speaking things into your life because many times we don't see in us and so God brings somebody into our life to see into us to bring it out to make it aware that, that he has placed inside of us I want to quickly real quickly go through uh, the, ser- the, 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 the passage that Amy read for us earlier and just bring out some things to, to explode into our brains but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. See all of this boldly in your heart and allow you to, to rise and go. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. I did not come 
proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Do you see that? I'm not good enough to speak, so I don't know what to do. Here's Paul writing to the Corinthians saying, I didn't come to you with lofty speech or great wisdom. You don't have to be extremely articulate or even really articulate. Can you speak? God will bring to you the message. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Think back to Victoria's story and Jen talking to her and the spirit and the power just moving there. My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. It's not what you say. It's the demonstration of the spirit and the grace of God. Jeremiah 9.24, But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love. The attention that God allows you to have is for the purpose of pointing to the steadfast love of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 11.30 If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. If I must boast, if I must say, hey, pay attention, I will pay attention to things that show my weakness. All of this, all of creation in every way is making this statement. God takes something of little value and puts his infinite value in it to put his grace in and glory on display. Let's say that again. God takes something of little value. My mind immediately goes to a manger and a teenage virgin. God takes something of little value and puts his infinite value in it to put his grace and glory on display. God says, do this. You say, I can't. He says, I know. I'll take care of it. Last verse, Isaiah 61, 3. To grant to those who mourn in Zion, Zion is another way to say the place where people of God live, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, and that faint spirit just means a darkness, to give you a spirit of praise instead of a spirit of darkness, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God enters into my brokenness, into your brokenness, to bring about something beautiful, so that people might look to him. This is the story of Christ. This is the gospel. This is the grace of God on display. God, I thank you for your son Jesus, and I thank you that you are telling the gospel through our lives using weak and flawed people to proclaim your beautiful message, using even the brokenness of the world to allow us to speak into broken lives. Oh God, I thank you for the brokenness of my bride that led to the healing of Victoria. God, and I pray for the the little girl who Victoria will speak into. God, I thank you for Dave Kuntz 
and his weakness. God, I thank you for humility that you give to us. Father, your greatness goes beyond our ability to understand. Father, we trust in you. God, we thank you for your grace. It's by its power that we stand.